You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. And we have to start, Mike, with a happy, happy, happiest of 60th birthdays to one Mr. Jim Ursay. Became the youngest NFL owner at 37 after his father passed away in 1997. And over the last 20 seasons under Jim Ursay, the Colts are 203 and 117. So that's a whole lot of wins under the newest Ursay leading the Colts. What do you get a guy that's got everything, including a franchise? I mean... I would say John Lennon's piano, but he just bought that too. We're not talking like, you know, a, ho- a new hose for your front yard, or, or it's it's. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. They're they're in a different category than we are, but that's good good for him, and good for Jimmy. And so many people nationally, even locally, take shots at him because he's eccentric. Is that a good word? That's a good word. Different eccentric, which mm-hmm. is, in this in this way, in a good way. But uh, as far as owners and what they do and their commitment to a franchise, this is the owner you want. We've talked, and it's really, and it's still true. You've got an owner who who is willing to pay whatever it takes, mm-hmm. and you've got a GM who says, "Nah, it's all right." <laughs> so I, I'd rather have that than have it the other way around, where the where the GM wants to spend, 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 and the owner won't. So this is a great dynamic, and whatever you question Jim Irsay on, and there are some things to question him on. Never question his commitment to, to putting a championship team on the field. One thing that separates Jim Irsay from other owners in the NFL is he grew up around the NFL, too. He has tremendous football knowledge uh, that he has learned and lost and learned over the years, whatever. So you don't have to go as a GM and say, this is what we need, this is why we need it, and try to convince or make an NFL owner understand. Ursay will understand exactly what the GM, the coaching staff, needs because he's been brought up around the game his entire life. And, and we've, we've done many stories on this. Is he, he started at the, at the ground up. I mean, as a ball boy and as a, as a gopher. And one of his great stories is he talks how when they, they were training camp with the old Baltimore Colts and whether it was Owings Mill, wherever it was at the time. No, this was in Colorado, somewhere in Colorado. And they're at lunch, and he sits down, and somebody nudges him on his shoulder and says, move your ass, son. And it was John Unitas. <laughs> Jim Irsay had sat in uh, Unitas's chair. So he, he has been from the bottom up, done everything, been a GM. And we could argue the good and bad of him being a GM, which there were there was both. But uh, but again, that, that's what you want from an owner is when something happens, he, he's been there, done that, experienced that. So he can you, you talk to the Ballards and – and the Bill Pulling before him, and they're always talking about the 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 vast knowledge he brings. And one thing that shouldn't be mistaken is there, there's a new breed of owner nowadays, one in Dallas. He's not new, but they're sort of initially in it for themselves. They, they want what's best for their franchise. Jim Mercer has always really been about a global uh, a, a league first back in the old days with the Roonies and the Maros and all that and the Hunts. So, again, I realize there's some quirks with him, but there's few owners more committed to winning than Jim Ursay. Well, as a GM, one of Mr. Ursay's jobs would have been to re-sign players, and the Colts had a big signing announced earlier today, and that is an extension for cornerback Kenny Moore. Four years, first reported by the NFL, uh, NFL.com's Ian Rappaport, confirmed by our own Mike Chappell here in studio. 
And the deal reportedly says makes him the highest paid slot corner in the NFL on new money. Detroit's uh, Justin Coleman uh, was the the oldest, uh, the the previous rather uh, highest paid slot. About corner. nine million a year. So that that's a whole lot of money for a slot corner, Mike. And he's in Kenny's twenty three, so twenty four. He's young. He's four So it, it, it's funny how in days in in years past, you never identified a guy as a slot corner. You were a cornerback, right? And now it's gotten to the point with these sub packages where you're playing extra DBs. 65% of the time? At least, yeah. Uh, you know, this harkens back to the Darius Butler days where that that's what he ended up I mean, – he came here to be a slot guy, and then he, he grew into something more. But uh, they really like his youth, Kenny Moore's youth, his versatility. You know, he, he developed into a solid nickel corner. And then as the season wore on, they, they used him in blitz packages. You know, again, it's the old trivia question, who's who holds the Colts record for most postseason sacks? It's not Kenny Dwight Moore. Freeney. It's not Dwight Freeney or or Chad Bradsky or Robert Mathis. It's Kenny Moore. That's yeah, right. Within one postseason. Within post one, one postseason. postseason. Had three last year, which is, you know, you, you can make it well what you want, but Dwight Freeney played a lot of playoff games in a lot mm-hmm. of years. And Moore tied for the league high with three interceptions as well from uh, slot coverage, according to Pro Football Focus, just last year. He did have one year left on his contract, Mike, and then Moore was set to become a restricted free agent. So. If the Colts wanted to let him play out this year and then offer him a contract, and then if anybody else offered him a better one, they could match it. So they could have kicked the can down the road here. Apparently, Chris Bauer thought that the right time to sign him was right now, even before this last year of his contract. Well, and this is the third one. They also did Sanchez and Luke Rhodes. Right. All three would have been restricted free agents. And the history of the NFL, I mean, going back is is – it's all about leverage. Who has the leverage in contracts? Well, when you're a restricted free agent, the team has the leverage. Mm-hmm. You, you you have the guy you can, whatever the tier is, first round compensation or whatever, uh, but you can keep the guy for one more year, which they could have done with all three of these guys. The, the difference on, it's a little different with the punter and a long snapper because you're not talking massive money. Right. But with, Ken, with Kenny Moore, you are, and I'm guessing they sort of wanted to take any any uncertainty out of the equation because again while he's restricted he can still go out and get a contract uh, from somebody else that you have a right to match but if some team you know let's just speculate this is four year 40 million dollar extension well maybe somebody views him more than that and he gets four years 50 million Mm -hmm. so you've really taken the uncertainty out of it if he has another great year then the price tag does go up so you've sort of uh, rid yourself of a of a coming headache, not so much so with the, the punter and, and the long snapper, not to to diminish their value, but you've really done this with a with a nickel corner. And, but it, again, it's just rare that teams don't wait because they have the leverage in the off season. Kenny has a really really nice story. Grew up in Valdosta, Georgia, in South Georgia, which is. About an hour and a hour and fifteen minutes, hour thirty minutes to the northeast of Tallahassee, Florida, and maybe about two and a half to three hours south of Atlanta. Um, grew up there. The high school he went to. There's two high schools in that town. One of them is Valdosta High School, which has won the most uh, state championships in in any high school in in America. And he went to Lowndes High School, which is the other one, which has really come on strong lately, but is really kind of still in the shadow of Valdosta High School a little bit. So even then, he's kind of an underdog going to the other high school a little bit. 
coming out of that school, the best players, it's like Telvin Smith went to Lowndes. He went to Florida State. A guy named Jay Rome was a tight end, went up to Georgia. Um, so the best players get plucked off by those big schools, either ACC, SEC, big-name schools. But again, Kenny, underrated guy, undervalued guy. He stays home at Valdosta State, which is a great Division II school. They've won multiple national championships over the past 15, 20 years. But still, he's overlooked for those big main deals on the Division I level. He comes out of college at Valdosta State. What happens again? He's undrafted, doesn't make the NFL through the draft. He has to go on through free agency, gets signed by the Patriots, gets cut by the Patriots, because they, I'm sure, wanted to put Kenny Moore on their practice squad. I think that's. I think I saw somewhere that Bill Belichick uh, really liked Kenny Moore, but just didn't have a spot on the 53 for him at the end of the day. So he gets cut, and then Chris Ballard says, "Well, he's better than any guy we have." So they bring Which in. Which at the Kenny time, Moore. he probably, I'm sure he was. It, he completely was. And then Kenny has found a home with the Colts on their roster as a slot corner who can play outside from time to time as well, but is your starting slot multiple talented guy can rush the passer as well as we saw last year in the postseason as we just mentioned so he's a guy whose story you can get right behind because he has had to fight for every inch throughout his high school college and professional career and now he's rewarded with one of the top contracts for a uh, defensive back in the nfl and i i don't know if the, what this played into it but this sends a message to your locker room that we will reward our own you know, sometimes that that sounds really nice and that's lip service by the team. But just go back and look, they've I remember back in the days with Bill Pulliam, we always say, Well, why don't you why don't you mess with free agency? He says, I do. We re sign our own. <laughs> so that's what they're doing. Keep keep in mind an extension for Venetary, Clayton Gathers, Pierre Desir, Marcus Hunt. So they they've really done a really good job of retaining their own people. Now not not all these people were, were ballard guys to the start. But but they are now, and, and that it, it's just it sends the message in the locker room that do things you're. And Kenny Moore told us he said, you know they did what they wanted. It's my job to do to take care of business on the field, and then maybe this happens. So th- th- this is this is win win. It, 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 it alleviates three or four headaches moving forward. Now you you know the guys the extensions you think about now if they happen, I still keep waiting for Costanzo. Costanzo yeah, I know. Uh, I'll be waiting probably in forever in November for that. <laughs> but but it, it's and and these are young guys. Mm-hmm. Th- th- this is what you want. So uh, you just want to see how it happens when you get the your more veteran playmakers, the Costanzos and the Ty's, and see how that plays out. But there's no downside to this at all. I'm going to read off a list of players you mentioned who become free agents next off season. So after this year, um, Anthony Costanzo, Jabal Sheard. Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron, Jacoby Brissett, LaRaven Clark, Evan Bame, Joe Haig. And then I had Sanchez and Moore and Rhodes. Adam Vinatieri. Well. And Adam Vinatieri. Should have put him on He's there. Mr. One Year of the Time guy. Joe's favorite. You forgot so, him this time. I, I apologize. It's true. <laughs> this was contagious. I'm down on Joe's level now. Oh, my goodness. So that that's the list of guys that maybe we'll see a contract, maybe we won't. But Kenny Moore is the, really the first to to see his name call or the third I guess following Sanchez and Rhodes as well. And we and we've talked about like extensions for Ebron and Doyle and and we can I can make really really strong cases why you don't do that now. Mm-hmm. You know, do show, do it again Eric and, right. and with and Jack, Jack Doyle it's, it's, healthy, it's, it's the it's one. the hip and and even with Jack he's he's 30 31 that's mm-hmm. going that's going to be interesting. Now Ebron if he has another 
solid year. That's he's a, still me, 25, yeah, no, 26. That, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. If that happens. Jack Doyle, it's, it's and Jabal Sherrod, I think Jabal Sherrod is is sort of, I don't know if under underappreciated is the word or not, but he's just a solid, solid end. Not flashy. He plays through injuries, and he gives you solid run defense. He gives you the five or six sacks. But the fact that they've got so much, you know, youth and potential at that position, do they re-sign him in the offseason? I would hope if he has a good year, they certainly consider. He's a guy that may probably has more value to the Colts mm-hmm. uh, moving forward than anyone else. But that's why this roster is in pretty good shape because there's not massive players outside of Costanzo in the tight ends that you worry about moving forward. You mentioned with Ebron, you know, let's see it again. Did that surprise you at all with more? Because we've only really seen one year as a full-time starter. He broke out last year. He absolutely did. But did you kind of think that Chris Ballard and the Colts might want to see him do it again before handing over all the money? Here's one difference between Ebron and more, at least in my mind, Joe, and that's Ebron has shown before that he doesn't always live up to this level. Kenny Moore, as he came in as a rookie, had a solid first year, improved on that in his second year. So he's never had the uh, humdrum years that Ebron had in Detroit. So you never know if that is an outlier or not. For Moore, you see him starting to trend upward. You have never had those... Uh, I guess the disappointing years. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. um, so that that, that, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is you have a little bit more confidence that he is at that level or even still improving from that level. So you're more willing to offer him a deal than a guy who has had less than stellar years in the past and then just that one year, even though it is the only year that he was with you, Mike. Well, and keep in mind with a guy like Kenny Moore, again, what is he, 23? Yes. yes. He'll be 24 by the season. Okay, so say so he's 24. This is a four-year extension. Takes him through whatever that is, 2023. He'll be 27, 28, ready, 28, for, ready yeah. for another contract. Another big yeah. contract then, so too, that, likely. I mean, you talk about a guy that is poised to really, really set himself up. Although, you know, if this is a 9 or $10 million a year extension, that's – pretty good security but <laughs> he's really in a position from from like you mentioned the, the the very humble background and undrafted and being released and all that to really establishing himself as a as a major player in, in the nfl with it, it's normally you get that one you get that one contract mm-hmm. the one big bite well he's going to have a real good chance at getting a second contract in in five years before we move on, we've seen Pierre Desir get the contract now. We've seen Kenny Moore, Quincy Wilson entering his third year. So after this season, he'll only have one more year left. If Quincy Wilson breaks out, do the Colts all of a sudden, do they just pay him too? Or do they think, well, we just spent our top pick on another cornerback. We have a decision to make. Do we pay everybody in the secondary? Or <laughs> That's a great question, Joe. And I'm sure that's a problem the Colts would love to have if Quincy Wilson breaks out. How, how do we pay all these good players? Exactly. You find a way. But that's why, again, it, this was odd to do this a year early. I think with draft picks, seldom you extend a guy with with a year to go on, on his rookie contract. You know, I, I thought maybe they would do that with Ryan Kelly. They haven't done it, but uh, Quincy Wilson. We've talked. I, I think this is the big year for Quincy Wilson. He, he missed. He missed the, the mini camp. Uh, apparently, he has a broken thumb or a fractured thumb or something. Yeah. So that's that's setting back a little bit. We'll see how it is in training camp. But he, he's one of those guys that he he's just shown you some 
flashes, some good stretches of football, and then he kind of goes away. So th- this is a monster year for Quincy Wilson. Well, that brings us to training camp, Mike, that you bring up, um, that Colts are just finished. I mean, did I mini say training camp? camp? I meant minicamp. Gosh, I'm just going to leave now. No. Uh, <laughs> brings us to minicamp, the final part of the offseason program. The Colts wrap things up this Thursday. They will have about six weeks or so off before resuming things at Grand Park in Westfield for training camp at the end of July. We heard from uh, a plethora of Colts, of course, headlined by Frank Reich and the non-participation of Andrew Luck. But last year, Mike, we finally saw Andrew Luck participating, and this year he is still not participating. But there's a vast difference between, I think, how the Colts felt about him then and how they feel about him now. It's really strange. Of, of, the, of the 90 players, and then we have some tryout players, of the 90 players on the roster, he might be the only one that we didn't see one second at practice. Now, we talked to him on Tuesday or whatever it was, but he was never out there, you know, looking on, watching, which make of that what you will. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there, there's no question. It, it, it's night and day, the concern. We, we talked. It's, it's never good when your quarterback – Misses time. It just is. You can spin it however you want. It's not good, but but this is. They've given us every indication, and and this one, you, I I'm I'm trusting them that this is a calf injury. And I tell you, if Kevin Durant didn't send a sh- shiver down your back with a calf injury, <laughs> and then he comes out there and you know does like it. Andrew, take all the time you want. Right, that's right. Yeah, I'm it's ready to okay. go. No, 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 sit there. So, but but he he told us Frank Reich told us he'll be ready for training camp, which is going to be July 24, 25 in Grand Park. So. Uh, w- when we go through the mini camp, you know the the and the off season rehash, it's it's such w- when the fact that Luck Luck's got a strain calf is your big news. That's not really a bad thing because again we've we've been through the other thing last year where it was headline news when he was throwing a a mini football around at the end of, uh, at the end of mini camp. One thing that um that Frank Reich said about Andrew Luck is was similar to last year's he's obviously done a whole lot more in the meetings than he has on the field he's still been active in those as you would expect from your starting quarterback but um last year Andrew was not quite as vocal he said in those meetings he chipped in things here and there because you're introducing an entirely new offense now that he's had a whole year in the system he understands the system a little bit better he knows what he what works well for him in the system so he's been a little bit more vocal in those meetings letting them know what he likes and what he doesn't about specific types or specific parts of the offense so really I think at the start of this year especially we're going to see uh, just how good of a coach quote-unquote Andrew Luck is because he's had more of an impact on what this offense is going to look like now that he's spent a year under what Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni put together now it's going to be even more of a collaboration, uh, Frank uh, Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni, and now more so Andrew Luck of what he likes in the offense this season. Well, also last off season, as much as Luck tried to be and was involved with things, his primary focus was getting back on the field, right, and getting his shoulder right. And I realize you can multitask and Luck can do that, but when your primary concern is getting your shoulder right and throwing, I- I'm just thinking that takes away from what you what your your mind or whatever in the classroom so now he's totally focused and again we're going to see more of Luck's imprint on this on this offense again like like you said Frank Reich told us what what you like what you don't like why you like it so and again we made a big deal last year he misses all of the offseason throws for 4300 yards and 39 touchdowns so 
it, it's it's not a good thing, but we have precedent that says that luck will be just fine come September. Well, if the worst happens to Andrew Luck and if the worst happens to Jacoby Brissett, then maybe Spencer Ware can take a couple snaps at quarterback, Mike. I don't know if you were there when uh, Spencer was talking about it, but he was recruited as a quarterback. He was All-American quarterback in high school, and, uh, well, he, he wants to get in there and sling a couple passes. Yeah, Frank Reich said that was one of the things when they signed him, as Spencer said, hey, listen, I was a quarterback. <laughs> so, And that's when I asked Frank Reich, have you ever had to go to an emergency quarterback? He said, thankfully, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it it'll be a fun. It's it's the novel thing to to write about a little bit once in a while. Yeah, it would be awful to ever see oh, who you're to, to actually take meaningful snaps in a game mm. with a guy who is not a quarterback. Could you ever call a pass? Like if you're if you're Frank Reich, could you in good conscience call a pass in that situation? It would be very tough. We, we always joke with Pat McAfee being the yeah. emergency, he would have he would have. He would have audibled. <laughs> he would have audibled to a pass just for the heck of it. Because, you know, doggone it, I can throw the ball. Oh, he's like, but, what's the worst that could happen today? Yeah, boy. Hey, maybe Wright takes, you know, a little, some, little Philly special, puts yeah. his player on it there, has where throw to anyone but Luck. Darn right. Oh, what was that, God. Jacoby Brissett to Andrew Luck on a – Yeah. And Ebron to Luck. And Ebron to Luck. Both he, of them did it. Tried. Well, but the one that Brissett did, it got Luck smoked. Yes. If yes. you remember um, – I remember, yeah. Yeah, dove on yeah the and then he dove. And you say, oh, that's a tough quarterback. No, no, no. I, I don't want my quarterback getting extended and then whacked yeah. for a first down, so whatever. <laughs> tough, tough, is, tough is one word for it, that's for sure. Right. Uh, a couple more uh, storylines from minicamp. We have, um, along with Luck, there are several other players who missed most, if not all, of the offseason. We've mentioned Jack Doyle with his hip surgery, though he was out there running routes on, on Wednesday, Mike. I don't know if you saw him out there. Jack, uh, Jack Doyle? Yeah. He was out there today running routes when we were done. And Great. So, you know, that that's a good thing. Yep. It's, I don't want to say baby steps. He's beyond that, but... Mm-hmm. Because I've always wondered, how do you come back from a hip? So he, he's well on his way to being ready for camp. Also, Clayton Gathers with knee surgery, which, of course, he calls a knee procedure. procedure. Uh, okay, uh, fine. Uh, Darius Leonard uh, with ankle surgery. Got the chance to talk to Darius at minicamp. Uh, says that he was surprised that he had to go to surgery. He thought it would heal up, but but it didn't. They had surgery. He says he's feeling better he's now. He's running around. I, I've seen him out there running around pretty right. well, pretty good, so he, he'll be in good shape. Yep, so that's uh, good news. And Dion Kane with his ACL surgery. I think out of all these guys, um, maybe Kane is the one that uh, I would expect to be taken on the slowest because right. it was the most major, if not Jack Doyle's hip, it was the most major of the other surgeries for sure, Mike. Right. I, I agree. I, I'm not ruling out, and, I, and Chris Ballard has sort of d- dismissed it, of Deion Kane at least opening up camp on Pup. Mm-hmm. Does he open up the season on Pup? That, that, that's extreme because you're missing whatever it is, six, six eight or eight games. games. Yeah. But he he's the one that I think they're being careful. Again, he had surgery in oh late August, so he's probably what is that ten months away, ten months out. And you know, we talked to Malik Hooker, and he thought he came back a little quick from his. So th- they're not going to push this kid. <laughs> Eric Ebron was on the field for minicamp, primarily working with trainers, but still was out there running around. T. Y. Hilton, I think there's no nothing wrong with T. Y. He wasn't there Tuesday, but practiced Wednesday. Um, I guess the bottom line, Mike, is the team is in pretty darn good shape heading into training camp. There's nothing overly significant that you should be seriously worried about right now. I mean, things can happen. Like Frank Reich said, he's almost positive luck will be back for training camp, but there's always the chance to re-aggravate something. Barring unforeseen circumstances, this is a pretty healthy Colts lineup as training camp is about to begin. Let's talk about unforeseen. Everybody thought they were in good shape last year. Luck excluded. And we get to camp. We get to camp, and Anthony Costanzo had 
he didn't tweak it. He he damaged a hamstring that kept him out of the first month of the season. Right. So that's when we talked to Reich today. He 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 stressed how players are being urged to take a week off, but then get back into the routine. They're giving these players the the, the Colts staff have given these players their their own specialized how to handle the next month, so that you don't go into camp unprepared. And it, it's that balance about following your routine. But when, again, like in minicamp or, or the off season, when something feels tight, when you feel a little twinge, back off. You know, don't think, you know, this maybe in the old days, well, I, I think I'll push through this. No, don't do mm-hmm. this because it cost Costanzo uh, the first five games of the season. One more piece of news while we're talking about the offensive line and Costanzo uh, from just this past week. Offensive tackle Antonio Garcia, who was on the Colts practice squad during the second half of last season, uh, suspended by the NFL. Drafted in the third round of 2017 by the Patriots, but has never played an NFL game. Um, so if that's a guy who makes your final roster, certainly competing for one of those final roster spots, along with guys like uh, Jamarcus Webb, Jackson Barton, LaRaven Clark, uh, to see who are going to be those backup tackles. Um, well, he's a guy that you wouldn't have for the first couple games of the season if you decide to keep him. And that's what we talked about overall. It was a very quiet, uneventful offseason. When, when, when you're major news is is uh garcia being suspended four games and chad kelly being suspended two games with all you know it's it's bad for them obviously right but these are two guys that might not even be here come september so so and then we've got the, you know the, the bobby okariki thing we we don't need to rehash that but some teams and we'll, we'll get to one of them in a bit have had off seasons that it, it's the one thing you don't want is is a distraction or distractions. And some teams have had a bunch of them. And this team, for the most part, has gone about its business without much uh, distraction. Well, you mentioned another team that has had quite a, an active offseason. So I think after like five or six weeks teasing this, we'll finally going to be able to get to our AFC South. Houston, Recap. we have a problem. Houston, there is a one or two problems, it seems like, in Houston with the Texans. They're in term oil, as you could say. <laughs> Oilers, mm. no? Yeah. Bit of a stretch. Get out. <laughs> okay. No, I love it. I absolutely love it. Please stay. Because um, I can't run the board. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if I start talking loudly, it's just going to go over modded and nobody's going to be able to hear anything, and that's, that's not going to be good. But anyway... The uh, the latest uh, issue, we shall say, with the Texans, they have fired their general manager, Brian Gain, and that was just at the end of last week. So it's a good thing we didn't talk about them last week, or else we would have had to do an emergency podcast to, <laughs> to bring it in. But hired as GM just in January of 2018, so he's had the job for like a year and a half. A year and a half. And what he, what can you he, possibly do to upset the owner so much right. that you're gone after a year and a half, Mike? And he was Bill O'Brien's guy. I mean, they they, they, they were hand in hand in glove together and all that. So something happened. I don't know what it was, but we we've now seen two or three two this year with the Jets, and one last year with John Dorsey, I think it is, where GMs are being let go after the draft after after, after the work is after the haze in the barn, so to speak. You let this guy. Do your free agency. You let, the, especially with the Jets. I mean, he spent hundreds of millions of dollars, high draft picks, and then oh, by the way, thanks. We'll we'll see you later. That's just crazy to let a guy let let the guy go, but to let him let him build your team and then move on from it. it it's just. 
crazy. Well, in both those situations, you know, we're, none of us are in the building, but right. things coming out of the building seem to suggest that it was, you know, controversy between the head coach and the GM not getting the players that they want, that, that kind of uh, deal there. So we'll see what uh, – you know, Houston does. They are already well, it, tampering. And on top of that, you got the tampering charges filed by the Patriots. Because apparently, if I if I read right, did the did the Texans have someone at the at the Oiler or at the uh, Patriots ring ceremony or so? What, what, what exactly was something where there was somebody there? Joe, can you look this up so we so we don't screw it up? I, I heard that they were tam- filing tampering charges, right. but I didn't see exactly it was, uh, what they it was. Had, they had like a Super Bowl ring party or whatever for the team, right? And there was somebody with the Texans at the at the event, and, and then like the next day they're, they're firing the GM, yeah. and all of a sudden we would like one of your guys. Oh no, something goes bad for the Patriots. Yeah. Oh, somebody's trying to tamper with the Patriots. Excuse me if I don't care all that much. No one cares. Yeah, right. But uh, anyway, yeah, like like you said, maybe they're trying to go for someone with the Pats now. Rumors that the Texans are trying to get Patriots director of player personnel, um, Nick Casario to be their next GM. Um, of course, Bill O'Brien was with the Patriots coaching staff. Maybe maybe Casario will agree to a contract and then back out. Precedent for that, huh? What? <laughs> I don't remember anything like that. Joe, can you find anything on this? I'm see what it is? trying to find the details of what exactly yeah. led to the charges, but I'm not finding much. Okay. But I'll keep looking. I'll let you know if I okay. find it. Cool. But anyway, um, Gain had a had an active offseason uh, as the GM, the recently fired now GM of the Texans. Uh, plenty of turnover in the secondary, in addition to uh, their offensive line. The offensive line, Mike, was dreadful last year. And for for having a a quarterback as mobile as Deshaun Watson, they gave up a league-high 62 sacks in 2018. And we thought the Colts giving up 56 in Brissett's year was incredible. <laughs> I'm sure that Jacoby thought that was incredible. But 62 sacks. Joe, do you have something? I found it here. Right. It, it looks like it was a ring ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um it looks like Jack Easterby, who is the EVP of team development with Houston, was at the Patriots ring ceremony. And, you know, you could kind of think, all right, he got to talking a little too much to Casario. What are you doing? What are you know. doing? <sighs> like, stay outside. Go go to his home. Meet him somewhere else. At the ring ceremony? What are you thinking? If, if, if nothing else, the optics look bad. Yeah. So and, and I, I I don't know and, and there's there's also talk whether the Patriots would would allow him to interview, right? Which I'm not sure how again if you're now after this well but before this director of player personnel to leave for a GM job it that to me doesn't seem like a lateral move it seems like a promotion, mm-hmm. but the Patriots do things their own way and maybe you can block a guy from making that move and it's also you know he's kind of the heir for when Belichick moves on. The idea is he would become the GM, and then um, the offensive coordinator there would then become the head coach. Who? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I think legendary almost Colt. But but again, how thankful is every single Colts fan that that did not happen right now? So we we can sit in here and bemoan it. But some of the best moves that you make are ones you don't make. That's right. So as as Garth Brooks said, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered <laughs> prayers. So anyway, let's get back to that Texans offensive <laughs> line. Second most sacks in 2017 behind the Colts with 54. Like we said, league high last year with 62. They signed offensive tackle Mac Khalil trying to help out. They drafted tackle Titus Howard, 23rd overall, trying to help out. 
Titus Howard, a former high school quarterback, maybe he can be their emergency quarterback if uh, if everything goes wrong with um, with Watson and whoever the heck their backup is now. I don't know who the Texans' backup AJ is. AJ McCarron oh, and, and hey. Joe Webb from. Uh, Joe Webb, yes, I remember Joe Webb because as someone who has a lot of Philadelphia Eagles fans as friends, uh, Joe Webb came on with the uh, Minnesota Vikings a couple years ago and beat the Eagles in a game that they needed to win near the end of the season. Did he? I remember he started a playoff game for them. I would prefer not to remember games (laughs) like that. So, yes, that was the the Joe Webb game is infamous in Philadelphia Eagles circles. But anyway, let's get back to the Texans. Uh, They also drafted tackle Max We always have a problem getting away from the Texans because just rabbit trailing uh drafted tackle max sharping 55th overall in the second round out of northern illinois four-year starter so suffice to say they are pulling the uh chris ballard of last year strategy and going heavy 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 on the heavy guys up front trying desperately to fix this very clear problem that they had last year when you have a quarterback like a watson like the colts did with luck it's crazy to think it took the colts four or five years to finally have a bell go off after you oh. got after you gotten your quarterback just pummeled. And, and last year, I thought what was crazy last year, it was so obvious from the start that they were having trouble protecting their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yet they put run plays, designed run plays for him in there. Not I'm not talking scrambles. I'm talking let's let him run. So let's let's get him hit more. Let, let's max let's maximize the, the abuse he takes. So it, it's such a strange team. You look at the Colts in in top to bottom. Again, I, I've argued that this is the best top to bottom roster since '09, Super Bowl year. The Texans are just the opposite. They've got four or five absolute studs, stars, and then and then you say, "What? What have you got?" And so who? I, it, it's crazy, and their up and down, you know, seasons are a reflection of that. And. Let's take a look at those up and down seasons. Last five years, they've gone eleven and five, four and twelve, and then three straight at nine and seven. But again, even in those nine and sevens, you have experiences like last year when you started out. I don't remember what it was like six and one or no. They started out. They started, started out, out one, zero and whatever, and they, they beat yes. the Colts. Uh, they beat the in, in Colts in week four the, or five. That's to, right. To be to go one and three, I think, because we were talking. Houston was talking. And then they won like seven or eight right. in a row. So right. they'll they'll lose three or four in a row. They'll win seven in a row. And then they'll muddle down the stretch. And they'll limp into the playoffs and then get beat in that opening game of the playoffs at T.Y. Hilton Stadium down in Houston. <laughs> and that that's also another great thing about Colt, for Colts fans playing the Texans is you have T.Y. Hilton who owns them year after is year. Is that game you walked in there with a clown mask on? Yes. Yes. Is that, is that great? And then, and then he clowned them. And that was in the in the playoffs. Right, because that's what I'm saying, right. T.Y. was hurt. Like, he was playing through a not a good injury. Uh, and, yes, he certainly clowned them. Who was? It was one of their cornerbacks. Was it Kareem Jackson or Kevin Johnson, who's now gone? Um, Something about a clown show. I can't yeah, remember exactly no, what it was. Um, Joseph. Oh, yeah, it was Jonathan, Jonathan, Joseph, Jonathan Joseph, who's still there. Okay. Well, congratulations, Jonathan Joseph. You <laughs> you still have to guard T.Y. Hilton next year. But the uh, the Texans did some work in their secondary trying to stop T.Y. Hilton, among other players, no doubt. Um, out goes uh, safety Tyron Matthew and cornerbacks Kareem Jackson and Kevin Johnson. In comes safety Tayshawn Gibson and corners Bradley Roby and Brian Brody Calhoun. They drafted cornerback Lonnie Johnson out of Kentucky in the second round, a big athletic press man-type corner. So they're trying to put in work there with areas, again, like offensive line has struggled in the past, secondary has struggled in the past, and 
they're they're doing desperate things to try to to try to catch up with with their problems. But Mike, like you said, th- these problems happen because over the years um, they they don't hit on draft picks or they don't make the right free agent acquisitions. So even though it's a top heavy roster, the bottom of the roster is guys that you're trying to fill in on a Sunday to um, to do their job. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. They've been in a position that has allowed them to either make the playoffs or win their division the past couple of years because no one else in the AFC South was all that impressive. But now that the Colts have improved drastically, and who knows what the Jaguars are going to be this year. Nick Foles is going to come in and play quarterback. But they're at a point where I would think with the Colts and the improvement that their roster has seen that they need to make some significant improvements if they want to stay in playoff contention at the end of the season. Yeah, we talked about the high-end players, and, and J.J. Watt is, is the best. He's the face of their franchise. As he should the be. The only three-time defensive MVP. And I went back and looked. 2015 defensive MVP nine and seven, and they got smoked thirty to nothing at home in the playoffs by Kansas City. Yeah. 2014 nine and seven missed the playoffs. 2012 12 and four, and they won a first round game. But it's sort of like having that quarterback and nothing else. It's they've they've I don't say wasted, but they've not maximized three of the best years defensively in NFL history. He was, what, the 11th overall pick in 2011. Jadavian Clowney, first overall in 14. DeAndre Hopkins, 27th overall in 13. Deshaun Watson, 12th overall in 17. I'm telling you, if you allow, if you put out a draft and you wanted to, you know, target players, mm-hmm. in my mind, hopefully T.Y. Hilton's not listening, I'm not sure, so sure that DeAndre Hopkins isn't my first receiver. Mm-hmm. In the league, I just think he's that quality. Uh, so, so they they've got this high end talent, and we can get to it. But you you wonder, you know, why? So why haven't they taken that next step? Okay, since 2011, their starting quarterbacks have been. We need a drum. You got a drum roll in there? There you go. Deshaun Watson, Tom Savage, T.J. Yates, Brock Osweiler, Brian Hoyer. Brock Osweiler. Ryan Mallett, Brandon Whedon, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Matt Schaub. I had forgotten Matt Leinert. Mm-hmm. Sneak him in and there. Case Keenum. I mean, that's that's why that's why nine and seven is nine and seven and not mm-hmm. something more. Right. Because if you don't have that guy that can give you steady play, you're just screwed. Totally. Well, and then just think how stacked those rosters were with Arian Foster back in the day. And if only they could have had a little bit better quarterback play, this would have been a team that could have challenged the Patriots. They had the one, the one really, Shop had the one Pro Bowl year where we were just off the charts. But after that, it was just, and, and, and it's, you hate to bring it up, and I, I should have taken it a step further, but a couple of these guys beat the Colts to keep them out of the playoffs. <laughs> Wasn't Brandon Whedon one of them? Yep, yes. Who was it? Was Tom it Ho- Savage? I think might have been. It, it might have been Hoyer. Savage? It might have been Hoyer. Yeah, and, I think you might be right. And it might have been in Indy. Was that? That was under Bill O'Brien. So that was recently. Right. Yeah, that was just. Right. And it, it was when three when, years ago. I think it was when it was those eight and eight seasons. Yeah. And that's. So again, when you have the the league's all about the the players who who make those five or six or seven plays, the the Hopkins and the Watts and all, and all those guys. 
but it, but more so it's about the quarterback who who doesn't make just five or six plays. He makes 30 in a game, mm-hmm. and that's what they've lacked. Is this the year that they, they get over the hump, I guess? I, I don't know. But but until they get the offensive line fixed, as, as we've seen in Indianapolis, until you get the offensive line fixed, the quarterback can only do so much. And it's it's the offensive line's job, of course, to open holes for the running game. And you'd think with Lamar Miller, who's a decent NFL running back, they would have a better rushing attack than they do. But it's not great. Deshaun Watson has probably been their main threat out of the backfield, quote-unquote. But like you said, Mike, I mean, the more hits he takes, he gets sacked, he gets hit, he runs the ball and gets hit more. You don't expect him to to be at his best in the fourth quarter of a game as he is in the first quarter of the game because he's been beat up. Even if he makes right. it week to week, even if he plays 16 games out of the year. He had to take a bus on the one road trip because of broken ribs, wasn't it? Yeah, he couldn't fly. He, pu- he played with a punctured lung last season. He's a tough dude. Before. Oh, yeah. He's one of my favorite players in yeah. the NFL. But so, you, said, so you're questionable with a punctured lung? Yeah. Are you serious? Jeez. Yeah. But, but I was looking again when we were talking about how they just haven't gotten it right. Their offensive ranking since 2011, 15th last year with, with what they did, 20th, 29th, 19th, 17th. You just, it's just very hard when your defense, you know, and, you know, the defense is 1, 3, 7, 7, 2. They've had a few bad years. They were 20th and 17th. But you've got, in today's NFL, you've got to have an offense that can put points up, can be top 10 on a consistent basis. As good as the defense is, you've got to have an offense that you can rely on. The Texans are all or nothing, it seems to me. That's that's my description of them, because they have huge big play guys like Hopkins and Will Fuller, who's a very good other second Did wide he receiver. Most of last that's year. That's the problem. He missed most of like each of his first two seasons with injury. And Deshaun Watson, who can certainly chuck the ball deep to them. And on defense, they've got guys like Watt and Clowney who can get to the quarterback and cause fumbles and get the ball back for for the offense. But when that doesn't happen, it's like, okay, whatever. So they're, they're an inconsistent team. When they're good, man, they are good, and they can put up 45, 48 points a game. When they're not, they can get 48 or 45 points put up against them just as easily. Well, and speaking of Clowney, he's holding out a mandatory minicamp right now. He He's on the franchise tag. He wants a long-term contract, and... The Houston Texans are hesitant to give that to him because of his injury history and other factors. Well, they've also got—I I don't know when Hopkins's contract's up, but they, they've got—they've got players that are, they're going to need to budget mm-hmm. in the future. I, I think Hopkins probably has a couple years still to go on a contract. He was drafted in 2013, so he's been in the league for five years now. Right. So he, he may have three years to go on his contract, which is really hard to. Yeah, he's signed through 2022. Yeah, so, that, well, he's going he's gonna to sit there and wait. But uh, it's Watson who's coming up. Correct. Soon. Yeah, your quarterback who's going to get $35 million I was going to say, I was gonna say you know, 25 30 yeah. minimum. Yeah. And it is, it's not about a case of does that quarterback deserve it or earn it. That That's simply it, – it's it's the math of quarterbacks. Uh, you know, when Carson Wentz gets what he got, he got, and he's missed time. These quarterbacks, you know, just think in a couple of years when Andrew Luck's contract's up. Mm-hmm. Name totally. your price. Mm-hmm. I want to run down just the last 10 years of first-round picks for the Texans to kind of go go to our point that if you if you don't hit, that we've said on the Colts before, if you don't hit on players, then it leaves you cat, it leaves you chasing. Um, 2009 was Brian Cushing, who was a really good linebacker for them, but again, could not stay on the field. 
Um, 2010, Kareem Jackson at corner, a player they just released this past offseason. 2011 was Watt. 2012 is Whitney Merciless, who's still on the good roster player. there, who's a good player. 2013 is Hopkins, great player. So that's three hits right there in a row. Um, 2014, Jadavion Clowney, a hit right there at number one overall. 2015, Kevin Johnson. That's another corner taken in the first round. Again, another player that they released this past offseason. So they have missed in the secondary multiple times in the last 10 years in their first round pick. 2016, they got Fuller, who we like, but again, is a guy who needs to stay on the field. And at the same time, you already had one outstanding wide receiver. Is that the best place to use right. a first round pick? I'm sure Reggie Wayne is very thankful to be uh, to have had a first round pick spent on him when another great wide receiver was already on the roster. So you can make that argument either way. 2017 is Watson. 2018, they traded that pick to get up to get Watson. That was traded to the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns used it on Denzel Ward, who had a tremendous rookie season, much better than than I thought he was going to have, because everybody was like, oh, they're going to take, um, who was it, the kid? Chubb. Yeah, Chubb. Um, and they take Ward, and everybody's like, what's going on? And then Ward turns out to, to have a really good year for them. So. As did Chubb. I think he had like yes. 12 sacks. Mm-hmm. So they were both right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. everybody <laughs> starts starts whining. Oh, you can both be right. It's okay. Right. One does not mean the other is not true. And then this 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 year is uh, Titus Howard, offensive tackle out of Alabama State, which is a reach. A reach? You yeah. would think a little bit of a reach. Well, the Eagles traded up right before them to get the top left tackle, uh, Andre Dillard. Right. And so they Out just of kind of panic, State. it seems like. Not mm. that they don't like Howard, mm-hmm. but it seems like they could have traded back, got more value, and then taken him. You never know about those guys. I mean, you, you also, again, you have guys like Darius Leonard who are fantastic out of FCS or Division Two or whatever it is. But when you spend a first-round pick on, on one of those guys, it, I— it always, I always want to take a step back and be like, okay, you better be darn sure. You better be darn sure because if you're not, you're going to get raked through the coals. And any GM who makes that pick knows that. So, I mean, it's already gone. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, well, and to look at it here, so the Colts last season exploited the Texans through the secondary with T.Y. Hilton and by getting after and harassing Deshaun Watson. And when you look at those two areas, they may have gotten even worse in the secondary. Kareem Jackson was a solid starter. Tyran Matthew is a Pro Bowl player, mm-hmm. and they lost both of those, replaced them with lower-level players. The offensive line is better by default because you made additions. Can't it be couldn't worse. get worse. Yeah, but you don't know what these rookies are going to bring you, especially Howard with such a talent gap from where he was playing to where he is now. It's not like he played in the SEC, so... I think the Colts have to feel pretty good that they can still exploit the two areas that they have in the past. I, I don't mean to keep heaping on Howard. Maybe we're going to have to replay this as a disastrous old take if he turns out to be like a Quentin Nelson pro bowler, all pro his first year. But, I mean, high school quarterback converted first to tight end and then to tackle in college at Alabama State. So he's more raw talent than anything else. Maybe you can work some magic and get him ready in one offseason and one training camp to be a serviceable starter in the NFL, but I'd imagine that he's going to take more lumps than the majority of first-round tackles would take in their first year in the NFL just because he doesn't have that same experience and same depth of knowledge at that position as other guys would have. That, that might have been, probably was a case of, like Joe said, when, when Dillard's gone and it was such a thin top It tackle, was a thin, uh, yes. You know, quality tackle that you sort of get desperate and and when it, the worst thing to do in the draft is to get desperate and yep. reach mm-hmm. because then then you know maybe they had Howard as a mid second rounder like and we can't t- lose him and, and, and you can't lose him right. because then who he had next is, is even further right. back so right. 
desperation is a bad way to go into the draft. It really is. And, don't be don't be driven by desperation because you're going to pay the price. And that's a story that Chris Ballard has talked about uh, many times throughout. Um, when we ask him about his draft strategy and we say, oh, do you need a corner here? Do you need a safety? It looks like you need some linebacker help. He always harps on that, saying you can't get locked in like that because just like you said, and and I, I still want to preface this, maybe we're going to be eating crow in five months' time when uh, when Titus Howard is the best right tackle in the NFL. I don't know. but But boy, right now I'm certainly not betting on that, and that's something that, that Chris Ballard tries to avoid that situation at all costs. We talked. It's funny we talked to Matt Eberflus uh, this week about, about the draft and players they got, and I can't remember which player it was exactly, but it was a case of they, they don't target a player. They want that four or five guys that you have at a certain spot because if you've got that one guy that you want and he's gone then it sort of feels like you're settling. And, and eh, we didn't want this guy, but this is the guy we've got. So when you've got four or five guys that, well, if, if we take one of these guys, we're in good shape, and you get one of those guys, it's a, it's a lot easier to move forward as opposed to thinking you settled for a number for plan C as mm-hmm. opposed to getting the guy you wanted. We can close with a brief chat about Matt Eberflus because like, just looking over even the transcription from his interview and times that I've interviewed him before, I, I love listening to Matt Eberflus talk because he is very in control. He's very measured. He's very analytical. He And, and it makes you realize why other teams would be interested in him as a potential head coach because he sounds like he's in charge and his players play like it on the field. He he's not in it for sound bites. No, he he, he gives you information. Seldom does he give you. I remember we used to have. Uh, we've had a lot of coaches who give you the sound bites, mm-hmm. just over the top, and you think that's pretty good. With Eberflus, he makes you think about what he's talking about, but there's always something there to take away, and, and you you get the impression he really really likes. We somebody asked him about. So what was your reaction from the draft? He said happy. <laughs> it was it seven seven of ten players, yeah, including seven of the first uh, eight were defensive players. Mm-hmm. So, but but he's fine. I thought he did a great job last year with what he had, and again, this defensive roster it's simply better. We'll see how it shakes out. But the people they've added, Justin Houston, is just if he plays twelve games at, at a high level, how can he not have an impact on 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 what they do? He just will. And we, we talked again. We, we talked more about uh, Ben Banagoo. If I get that right, Ben Banagoo. Banagoo. Yeah, Mike, you See, finally I'll, got I'll it. it. As long as I spell it right, we're okay. Uh-huh. But they really like this guy's versatility. Now, he, all of a sudden, now he's going to be a pass rushing end. But he gives them the versatility. So, but you're right. You're right. When Eberflus talks, it's measured. It's calculated. It's not to give you the thirty second sound bite. But this guy again. Colts fans and the Colts know that they probably should enjoy him while he's here because mm-hmm. he's on the fast track to something better. To that point, you know, you guys are in the building, you're around the coaching staff. Does he seem to have a right-hand man or somebody that you would think, okay, if he moves on, this guy might be next in line for defensive coordinator? That's maybe more of a question for you, Mike, than that's for me. That's a good question. That, yeah. That's a good question. I've not looked at the staff that closely. Uh, that's a good. I, I can't give you a good, a good answer. I, they probably do have somebody on staff. Alan Williams has been here, was here earlier, and now mm-hmm. he's back. Whether they would do that or whether they would go out and get someone else, but good question. That's why you, you know you the the key is putting together a staff, sort of that other people want. 
in, in, in successful teams lose their coordinators. The Colts in the 2000s were just incredibly fortunate that, that at least offensively, they didn't lose people. They had people in place, but uh, I just think that before long, we're, he's going to get serious, serious interest and probably get a job somewhere. I want to make a point uh, that I don't think that the Colts would be afraid to go outside of the organization because, again, if you all remember, and I'm sure you do, Matt Eberflus was a Chris Ballard choice, not a Frank Reich choice. He was to come in even when uh, he who shall not be named was going to be the head coach here. <laughs> um, so, and, and Eberflus stayed around. So like Chris Ballard knows what he wants from his defensive coordinator, and if there's nobody here in the building that is up to snuff in his mind. I don't think he'd be afraid to go out and pluck somebody else who's still capable of running the exact same scheme that he wants. And, and again, when we try to sit and compare without bashing previous regimes, this coaching staff is so solid as far as what you can see, the development of players. You see players getting better. You see there's sort of a plan for these guys. And I just can't say that was always the case in the past. That is the Colts Blue Zone podcast for this mini camp version. Plus, finally, the Houston Texans uh, preview as well. We still have three more AFC South teams to get to: the Jaguars, the uh, Titans. Titans. I guess we can come back to the Colts. That would be, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. We have two more. Did, did they expand no. the division? No, no not yet. I, I apologize. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Well, we always cover the Colts. So exactly. Kind of so, yeah, we'll talk about the Colts some more, of course, too. But uh, Joe Hopkins on the board, uh, making sure that I don't scream out too loud for y'all. You can follow him at Roto Street Joe on Twitter. Mike Chappell at mchapel 51 I am at DaveG underscore sports. And, of course, you can follow the Colts Blue Zone, very simply, at Colts Blue Zone. And make sure to subscribe. Did you make that name up? Did you make that name up? Yep. Real original, huh? Really genius, yeah. For our, uh, our creati- creativity, it's our Sunday morning show as well, uh, airing on CBS Four during the season, and of course uh, during the preseason. I believe it airs on Fox Fifty Nine before the uh, the preseason games as well. Um, so Emmy nominated show. Uh, Emmy sh- Emmys are this weekend, so who knows? We are might we up be. For uh, one? Yeah, we might be. Uh, if Emmy we get one, who, get, who gets the Emmy? I mean, is it? Well, it's not Joe. Not me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the podcast. Do they have awards for podcasts? I'll have to I look. No, you have that. to look into that. We Maybe can, next year. To, we yeah, might. submit these. That'd be awesome. But anyway, this is the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to subscribe. Get this delivered to your device every week, and we hope to see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>